According to a recent study, four out of five employers agree that all students should acquire a broad knowledge in the liberal arts and sciences. Further, 93% of employers agree that candidates who demonstrated a capacity to think critically, communicate clearly, and solve complex problems is more important than their undergraduate major. Today, we'll be discussing the impact of a liberal arts degree in today's world. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust. Thank you all for being here. I am so excited about this conversation. I mean, first of all, just kind of our, our um, engagement via email about questions and just your your enthusiasm um, and, and engaging conversation. But I just wanted to share how I was inspired um, to cover this topic, and that was I was at a president's advisory meeting, um, and we were talking about liberal arts education and just kind of where it's been, where it's it's going, and I was so intrigued um, that I, I did reach out to you and say, "What do you think? Like this this could be a really good conversation." So I'm just thrilled you're all here. So the first thing I'd like you to do is just share a little bit of um, of your background, um, who you're with, and and what you do, so that our audience has a better idea. Sure. Hi, I'm Stephen Maynard Caliendo and I'm Dean of Arts and Sciences at North Central College. My background is uh, in political science, that's my, my doctoral training, but uh, my undergraduate degree is in English literature. Ah, okay, mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. wonderful. I'm Joan Candela, I'm the Dean of the College of Liberal Arts at Benedictine University and uh, my background is in theology and, and philosophy, uh, so I oversee the humanities programs, social sciences and fine arts my college. Wonderful, wonderful. I come from a different slice of the world. <laughs> my name is Letitia Thompson, but everyone calls me Tish. Uh, my business is called Legacy Blueprint, so I'm a consultant. Um, and what I focus on is really helping organizations reshape culture through people. So I do a lot of that through executive coaching, leadership development, change management. My background is organizational behavior, and my PhD will be in business psychology. Okay, wow, wow so great. Okay, so let's start first. Let's just get your take on a liberal arts degree. Um, I was joking before we started um, the program that my mother-in-law just says, if you don't have a liberal arts degree, just forget it. Um, which I, I know is not true, but um, so what's your take? Well, I think that, you're, that, that that take is very similar to what we hear from a lot of employers as well. And, and from our perspective, it's, it's, it's more about than the job training. It's about training for life. I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're, they're citizens and they're neighbors and they're, and they're parents maybe, and they're certainly, um, all the, all the the kind of ways we understand the human experience through the traditional liberal arts and the way we learn to think differently as a result of being exposed to a liberal arts curriculum is good for the whole development of the person mm -hmm. and employers recognize it for sure because it matters in their business settings mm -hmm. uh, but we're thinking even broader than that and that's important great great Joe I, I tell our, our students and, and our parents of our students who are sometimes skeptical about a liberal arts degree 
that really what they're there to do is to make a living and to make a life. And that I hear from so many of our alums who are liberal arts graduates who talk about how they were set up not only for their professional lives, but also for the rest of their journey, the more important part of their journey in many ways because of what they've learned studying literature, studying history. So I think as, as Stephen just said, it's really a degree for, for one's whole one's whole life. Yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts on that, Tish? I think so, see, because I come from a different side of it. I come from the employer mm -hmm. side of it and what employers are looking for in good candidates. Mm -hmm. And you don't hear a lot of conversation about liberal arts programs what employers are really looking for are more of those specific you know degrees like business and things of that nature but what I find is that you can certainly come in with that type of background mm -hmm. but if you lack the ability to socialize and understand what you bring to the table and how to interact with the world it becomes an issue later and so I think there needs to be a lot more education from the employer perspective to understand the power that liberal mm -hmm. arts degrees can mm -hmm. bring to the table uh, when they're looking at candidates. Yeah, and I think it's important to recognize too that you know that, that we, we think of the pure liberal arts colleges, sometimes the East mm -hmm. Coast colleges, mm -hmm. that we wouldn't be able to get a degree in education or business, but but the comprehensive liberal arts college like Benedictine and North Central College, mm -hmm. where we're infusing the pre-professional programs mm -hmm. with the liberal arts philosophy. And so it's possible to get those degrees. I was on a panel recently with um, Congressman Kasten, Sean Kasten, mm -hmm. and I wish I could remember exactly how he said it, but he's an entrepreneur, of course, and he said, you know, we hire people uh, based on these technical skills that they have, mm -hmm. but we end up with they either persist or they don't stay with us because of their lack of people skills mm -hmm. and the skills that you really get from the liberal arts training and I thought that was a really interesting way to think and about it. And that's an excellent point because a lot of times I'm called into organizations to fix those mm -hmm. team dynamic challenges right. and a lot of times people call them soft skills like being mm -hmm. able to communicate, right, right, right. being able to be yeah. attuned to your right. own emotional intelligence but I don't call those soft no. skills, I call those core skills. We call them core skills as well. That's really needed so the fact that you're infusing that into your curriculum I think is so important as we're preparing our students for the real world it is so needed mm -hmm. and we can't you know just focus on the technical side of it there's more to being successful than that but you know I think exactly what you're saying in, uh, I think we turn the mirror back on ourselves and some of us in the liberal arts have not done a very That's good correct. job in talking about how skills that students learn when they're studying history or literature mm -hmm. really do have applicability out in uh, out in a professional uh, context and so I think we set up very easily this sort of either or so you have business and, and, and STEM science degrees and they get you a job but then you have this other side of education, the liberal arts, and that's learning for learning's sake. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to deny that. And there's something very precious and sacred when I think about learning mm -hmm. for learning's sake. But, it, but it's more than that. And I think, I think those of us that are in the liberal arts, it's really incumbent upon us to be talking about how the skills that students learn in those classes really are practical skills that equip them very well when they go off into a professional environment. So I, I have a thought. Um, I always have lots of thoughts, but I'm going to share one with you. Um, when I look at kids that are preparing for college, and now it gets earlier and earlier and earlier, right, when their sophomores are going to, to visit schools, in some instances, mm -hmm. even freshmen, mm -hmm. and it's you need to be an engineer, you need to, you need, you know, these specific degrees when we talk about STEM. Mm -hmm. um, my thought with that is, are we teaching that the whole 
the the holistic piece of it is so important. What you guys are, are have are, have all you know um, um, spoken to, and that is, it's this is great to have this knowledge and to be this engineer, but you have to be able to look people in the eye and have a candid conversation. Right. You have to be able to have that social interaction, that self awareness, that emotional intelligence. So, is it maybe something we should be looking at our high schools for? I don't know. Uh, in, in some ways, I think the way high school teachers and counselors think about uh, helping students get to college and, and the types of colleges they should be uh, targeting might need to shift a little bit. And we, you know, we waited 158 years in North Central <laughs> before we started engineering programs, and, and, yeah. and that was because we wanted to get the liberal arts right. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think, you know, if you think about what some of the other um, schools with wider name recognition, like Wake Forest or Boston College, are doing as they're starting engineering programs, they're doing it with a core liberal arts mm -hmm. background, and I think. You know, if you if you if you can get some of the engineering professors at the big schools in their candid moments, will tell you that they understand <laughs> that those are important too. But they've got faculties of seventy-eight people or something, and sure. it's very mm -hmm. difficult to. Mm -hmm. You can't make a quick turn on the Titanic, right? I mean, right, it's, right. it's a big it's a big ship, and so um, you know, very. It's not just symbolic that our engineering program is in the College of Arts and Sciences. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's it is symbolic too, but it's more than that. It's substantive, mm -hmm. and the way that we do engineering at North Central is very much infused with the with the liberal arts because our industry partners have told us that that's what they need in engineers. Yeah. Technology is moving so fast, whatever right. we can give them on cutting edge is going to be outdated in a couple years anyway. They're going to learn that on the job. Mm -hmm. right. But as Tish said, you know, being able to learn how to interact with people, how to communicate, both written and oral, right. all those types of things, problem solve, fail, how do you fail, right? We got to teach them how to fail. Yeah. So Gracefully. Important. Yeah, <laughs> not just for engineers, but for anybody right. in the workforce. Yeah. Right, yeah. completely Google did a study called Project Oxygen in 2013, and they collected data on their top employees across the enterprise. And of the skills that they saw for the top employees, STEM expertise came in dead last. Mm -hmm. Everything above that was collaborative, uh, dealing with diversity, able to dialogue across cultures, uh, mm. being a part of a team, and so on. So you take this kind of paradigmatic STEM organization, at least in, our, in lots of people's minds, mm -hmm. and yet their own internal study indicated that the kind of expertise, technical expertise, that they're so much known for was not in fact what was helping their top mm -hmm. employees to succeed. And you know it's so interesting you say that I participated in a District 204 um, when they were trying to create the value system for their 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 seniors and what we thought would be the top right um, the the science and that that went to the bottom it was collaboration mm -hmm. it was inclusion mm -hmm. all of the things that we're sitting here talking about right now so it's it's and we had 35 people that mm -hmm. all these different perspectives um, and yet we all agreed that these top six things and it all came you know what we're talking mm -hmm. about a liberal arts and employers will tell you all the time that they can train for aptitude but they mm -hmm. can't train for attitude mm -hmm. and so they would much rather bring <laughs> individuals in who shows you know prompt promise with how they interact with one another. So a lot of times what I see now is employers introducing assessments upon hire to mm -hmm. just see, okay, how is this person mm -hmm. gonna show up at work? Certainly I encourage them not to utilize that as a making a hiring decision for you know obvious reasons, but they really want to understand how is this person gonna show up at the at, you mm -hmm. know when they show up to the first day of work mm -hmm. and then how can we continue to develop them to grow, not mm -hmm. just because of their yep 
you know, what they know technically, but who they are mm. as an individual. So I think that that's something that's important. And so to your point oh. about when do we start to talk about these different concepts and should it start at, at, in high school? I think it should start even before that um, as we start to grow um, talent for, mm -hmm. for, the, for the workforce. So I know when, when we were at the, the president's advisory meeting, there was a graph that was shown with liberal arts and kind of, you know, this, this up and down. Um, if you look at the last 10 years, do we see this resurgence? Or I think what you talked about is kind of this collaboration. I think that's what happened at our meeting. We mm -hmm. had you and then we had, I think, the dean of science. Of science. Um, and so these conversations are happening. But what, what would you say happened over the last 10 years? Is it just that employers realized, holy cow, we're getting these brilliant people, but they can't interact. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your take on that? Well, one could look at graphs of liberal arts degrees over the past 10 years and not draw a lot of positive conclusions. Some after 2008, just some went right off the cliff uh, in terms of percentages of bachelor's degrees that are being awarded in the humanities. There's also been other things that have to do with the cost of, of education, right. with the amount of student debt, which is skyrocketing. Uh, and uh, I always find this interesting that there's, in our very fractured political landscape, there's not many things that bring both sides of the aisle together, but criticism of the liberal That's arts right. is one of them. Right? Right. I mean, I could, I could find Republicans and I could find Democrats both taking swipes mm -hmm. at the liberal arts. And I think all of these things have a cumulative effect on people's understandings of what they ought to be majoring in and where the jobs are once they once they get out of college. Yeah, I think the cost of tuition is an important part of it because but but I think it's related to what you said Joe about people thinking about it as job training. Mm -hmm. If you think about college as simply an investment toward job training, but you think of it as only the investment in the specific field. Mm -hmm. I always talk to students about not fetishizing their major. It's about the degree. Mm -hmm. It's about the gen ed. More of the classes you're going to take are not in your degree than the ones that you're going to I mean they're not in your major than the ones you're going to take in your major and that's on purpose, right? I mean, we're doing that in a very meaningful way. But when costs go up, you think, I got to get that, I got to get a payoff. And you think, if I'm going to get a degree in, in art or in English, it's not going to have a payoff. But of course, we know the opposite's true. Right. And certainly with regard to promotions and, and, and moving forward in one's career, those backgrounds are the ones that propel students forward later in life. Fantastic. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Naperville Bank and Trust has the expertise, knowledge, and experience to help you reach your business goals. We would prefer to work with somebody like Naperville Bank and Trust. They're engaged in the community. They're able to help meet our financial needs. They understand us as a business. They provide all the tools that you would ask uh, that we as a growing business need of a bank. Most importantly to me, it's a, a great personal relationship we have with Tom and John and, and our bankers. It was the best thing we could have done in banking. And banking can be very cold. What the bank brings to us is, is that warm feeling when you come into the bank and people say, hi, Greg. It's about being part of the community again, about being a name again, about having credit for who your business is instead of just being, well, instead of just being a number. Naperville Bank and Trust, bring it home. In Naperville, we know that community counts. In fact, it's in our name. As Naperville Community Television, 
we have the privilege of showcasing what makes this award-winning city a wonderful place to raise a family, to make a living, and to enjoy life's journey. That's why it's our mission to capture on camera those special moments that connect us. Those stories that impact our lives. Stories you won't see anywhere else. So watch Naperville Community Television on air, online, and on social media. So I'd really like to talk a little bit about liberal arts. We kind of throw that term around very casually, but it's, there's depth there and meaning that mm. I don't think people really understand. So I'd love to know from you a little bit about liberal arts. What is liberal arts? Well, it's interesting. I, I mean, I have a chance to talk to students every year when they're coming in during the orientation and their parents too. And I make sure I help, un, help them understand that, that the liberal and liberal arts comes from the Latin liberalis, which means freedom. Uh, it's about, it's being liberated. Mm -hmm. It's not liberal versus conservative. And so I think sometimes students have yeah. a conservative worldview, come in here, they're gonna have a liberal arts education. And I think that's been stoked in some ways in certain circles to say there's indoctrination happening by liberal professors. Uh, it, it's not about that, it's about teaching free thinking. And that was, it's, it's dating back to antiquity. That's been an important thing and we still value that very much. Wonderful, Joe? Yeah, I, uh, I, had a, I did a survey of our student senate. So it was 20, about 25 students, student leaders, right? And I asked them exactly that question. Is the liberal and liberal arts a political orientation? And one-fifth of them said yes. Wow. Which was disturbing <laughs> to me. But again, it indicates, I think, we need to do a better job mm. of articulating that it is for their own liberation. I sometimes speak of it as intellectual self-defense against people who are, and, and forces around us, media and otherwise, that are, that are trying to co-opt us in, in various kinds of ways. And it allows students, ultimately at their best, I think, to swim rather than float through their lives. Yeah. And, and it, by taking a kind of ownership of being able to understand what the different messages that are barraging us 24-7 and to be able to think critically about them and to and to really distinguish as best we can what is more valid than what is what is simply uh, put on to try to get us to engage in some behavior sure. that has to do with buying things or so on. I think what's interesting is as I'm kind of hearing both of your perspectives about this, what comes to mind for me is not only educating parents and students about really what liberal arts education is, but how are we educating employers about the value that a liberal arts graduate brings to the table. And so from your perspective, what are some ways that we can do better with educating employers about students who come to the table with a liberal arts degree? I think they appreciate the skills and they can, they, they may not name it liberal arts, right? But they can name the things that are components of what a liberal arts education brings. They can talk about cultural competence, they can talk about being able to adjust and, and fail, um, but they may not name it liberal arts. And, but it would be helpful, I think, for employers to very clearly say, we're looking for people with liberal arts training. Again, it doesn't have to be liberal arts degrees. I mean, you can get a liberal arts training in education or in athletic training or in business. You can, if you go to the, a school that values it, um, it, it can be there, um, but but maybe them using that language a little bit more would be helpful. Not just to us as institutions, that's not what's important, but but just to the general um, the discussion that we have in mm -hmm. our in our communities about what the value of these skill sets are. Sometimes you hear the phrase 
recently especially, um, majors matter, but skills matter more. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and I think both on the side of the employers, but also on the side of our students, we need to do a better job of translation and say, what, do this, what does this major get you that would be useful in, an, in a corporate context. And that's something we need to do both for the employers, but also especially for the students. We need to be able to have them make that elevator pitch and say that what they studied in their English literature class really gave them the following transferable skills that are going to be beneficial in any kind of a corporate context. Um, so, so I absolutely agree with, with the premise that you, you gave that it's a very important that employers also understand uh, what goes on in the liberal arts and how a liberal arts degree can actually be very beneficial in their own workplace. Well, I think too my challenge comes in like applying for a position today is vastly different than it was. 40 years ago when you know I applied for my first job right now it's algorithms and all of this and you wonder how much is missed by the way that they assess resumes today versus the old-fashioned way and I know time is money mm -hmm. but being able to sit down and really gain an understanding like wow not only does this attorney or this engineer or this researcher have this amazing educational background, academic background, but wow, do they have great leadership skills and I can really see their initiative and their self-starting capabilities. Things like that and you wonder if that isn't missed because a resume can show a lot of things, but we might miss the thing that's really important when it comes to the culture of an organization. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's a really important point. It's how do I sell myself, right? Because mm -hmm. that's what it's about. It's how do I sell myself to a potential employer? And I think part of it is really understanding the culture of that organization and then crafting your resume in a way that it picks up on some of those keywords mm -hmm. that, you mm -hmm. know, when you put it in the algorithm, so to speak, it picks up on those keywords so those resumes come to the top. But it's being able to articulate that mm -hmm. and say, um, this is what I, in addition to, you know, my technical skills, these are also the things that I bring to the table from a leadership ability from um, team building, from culture, um, driving culture in an organization. And that is huge, right. particularly for leaders. It's how do I articulate that to employers? And a lot of times people don't think about that when they're looking um, to seek employment. They don't think about the importance of how do I sell myself as a leader. Whether you're going to be in, in, in a formal leadership role or not, it's important to embody those skills and be able to articulate your ability to you know, lead, lead a team, a project, or whatever that might be. It demonstrates some level of intellectual curiosity, and um, I, I sometimes think about, you know, resumes show a lot of things, as you say, but, but you know, the GPA is there and the degree earned, but also studying abroad or being a varsity athlete or participating in, in plays, even though you're not a theater major or, or playing a musical instrument at, at a high level. Um, and then I sometimes talk to students about if you get to an interview stage, what are you going to talk about? You're not going to talk about the second exam in your accounting class. You're going to talk about the time you spent three weeks in Kenya with your professor That's because right. you were doing right. Th those are the things that are going to be interesting and that are going to help you stand out. But it also speaks to who you are. It speaks to being a well-rounded person that's going to be able to effectively operate, uh, you know, in, in a context that's different than uh, what, what they're used to, and I right. think that's important. There's this expression now, a T-shaped professional, right? So you, yeah. you have breadth and then you have depth, mm. right? So yes. you have this. Um, and, and so, so I tell students, we want you to be well-rounded. We also want you to be sharp, mm. right? <laughs> and, and, and different kinds of disciplines that you study help further both of those kinds of, 
of qualities within you. I think we also need to do a better job talking about the number of leaders. Uh, I think the estimate was 40% of Fortune 500 uh, CEOs have liberal arts uh, degrees and how uh, liberal arts really does equip one very well to lead, especially in a, a global economy with the kind of rapid change that we're seeing now, which, which I think is right in the wheelhouse of the liberal arts to be able to, to really engage diversity, complexity, and change, uh, and to be able to have an understanding of the human condition, because leadership accrues to those who understand humanity best, right? Um, so I think there's an awful lot of a case that we can make, and even things we can point to as evidence that indicates the benefits of a liberal arts yeah, well, background. Because we know the best way, for thousands of years, we've known the best way to, to, to more fully understand the human condition yep. is through theater and through music. And through visual art and through literature, right? We we know that those things are important too. And I should say that you know the, the way you know that that ancient model of the liberal arts included STEM areas, right? This is this is not that's not where the dichotomy is. Uh, it's the way you do science. It's not just about the skills, but when you're engaged in science, you think differently. It's evidence based. It's problem solving. It's strategic, right? So this is all sort of part of that same mindset. It isn't just that you're accumulating a degree that puts you toward a particular field, but you think differently when you've done science and you think differently when you've studied text closely and you think differently when you're working with materials and, and creating art. It helps you think differently and that's important. Love that. Uh, I, I, I do too as a theater person. Um, so I, you guys touched on it earlier about tuition and is there with the economy and especially after 2008, did you see a shift that people were really went away from liberal arts and thought that if I focus just on specifics, engineering, uh, medicine, whatever it, it might be, did you see a drop? Do you feel there was a drop? Because from an, uh, a dollar and cent perspective or tuition perspective, I'm not going to put it towards that. I need to put it towards something where I can make money, mm -hmm. which people don't realize That's that right. you can make money with that. So I'd love your take on that. Uh, I, we saw it. Uh, I, I think we saw it in terms of um, where students were sort of voting with their feet in terms of majors. One of the points of pride at North Central is the way we educate first-generation college students. Almost half of our student body will be the first uh, in, their, in their families to get a college degree. And I was a first-generation college student, so I have a particular point of pride mm -hmm. there. Those conversations are different. Um, you know, with my folks, they didn't ever ask what your major is going to be. They're like, you're getting a college degree. You're going to be the first one in the family to get a college degree. Major, that's why I got the major in English literature. Nobody asked me any questions. Uh, but, but but, but I went to a public school, and, and the price tag was much lower. And so the questions that we're getting from parents of first-generation college students now at private schools, even though the, you know, the tuition, we, we have, we have uh, financial assistance, um, is different. They're thinking about that. And they may not be thinking about graduate school as early, right? Because sometimes it, the major doesn't matter because they end up with a graduate degree that's going to lead you toward a particular career. And so that's the time that you, you can explore and, and, and get the broad skills. So I do, I do think the conversation shifted a little bit when the economy took a downturn. Right, I think just nationally you can see all, right. all of those trends. And, and in some ways, I think it, it, it puts those of us that are, that are defending the liberal arts on a little bit of uh, a, a defensive posture, right? We have to make the case. But in some ways, it's, that's helpful because it forces us to be creative and to do things that perhaps we hadn't thought before when the students just automatically showed up and all the classes were, were filled and we didn't have to do much to recruit, we didn't have to do much to justify. Right. So as we wind down, what I'd love each of you to share um, briefly is if there's students watching that are 
you know, getting ready to, to start their education or parents that are watching, um, what would you tell them about a liberal arts education if they said, oh, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Um, Joe, I'll start with you. Well, just that, uh, just that there are more opportunities there for the study of the liberal arts than perhaps they're receiving through other forms of communication and that uh, all uh, surveys that are done by of employers really speak to the kinds of transferable skills that are valued out in the workplace. And so I think the, the news is a lot better than perhaps they might be led to believe. Great, great. I'll echo what you were saying in that respect. Um, I think it's important to not chase the dollar but to chase after what makes your heart sing. And I loved how you articulated what a liberal arts background is, which is liberty, it's freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to change the narrative for our, our kids that they think that it's all about making the most money. Mm -hmm. But if you do what you love and you do what your, mark, your heart, what makes your heart sing, the money will come. Mm -hmm. And so just do what you love. I think that's what's most important. And I think Tisha right. It, uh, and sometimes when you're 17 years old, you're not sure what you love, or you're not sure what you will love. And I, and I think so you know we, we asked them so early to make decisions about going to college, which is a, is a difficult decision. But then to lock in what their career is going to be, it's, I can't tell you how many times our students change their majors. Right? Mm -hmm. You go to explore. You go and you think you might be doing one thing. They're all going to be pre-law. They're all going to be pre-med. Right? And then they get in. They get really excited about something else, and that's wonderful. But if you don't go to a place that offers those options, has a robust general education core, has mm -hmm. opportunities for exploration, then you're just going to be on a path. And mm -hmm. if you're sure of that path and that ends up being what you do, that can be a wonderful life for you. But for many, many students, I think the liberal arts experience is the one that will be most beneficial. Wonderful, valuable insight. I can't thank you enough. We don't teach you what to think. We teach you how to think. I absolutely love that. And I love my time here with you. So thank you all so Thanks much. Thanks for having thank us. You. Thank you for joining us for Inside the Chamber. We hope that you found the information in today's program valuable. Please join us again for our monthly programs. In the meantime, remember, when you're looking for a service or somewhere to shop or dine, think Chamber and visit Naperville.net to support the Chamber of Commerce and our business community. Inside the Chamber is brought to you by presenting sponsor, Naperville Bank and Trust.